morning, church. Uh, my name is Jordan Trahan, as Pastor Burt uh, said earlier. Um, I serve as a pastoral assistant here at Crawford Avenue, and it is my joy and it is my privilege to have this opportunity uh, to preach. Um, so if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians 2. We're going to be in chapter 2 this morning, um, reading verses 6 through 16. And if you're using one of the black Bibles in front of you, it is on page 953. 953. This is God's Word. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. With these things, God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, you are good, and your word is good. Use it now to glorify yourself and encourage us in our walk with you. Let your word speak clearly and authoritatively, that we may know how we can be more like Christ. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Human history can attest that there is this deep-rooted desire within us for wisdom. We want to be wise. We want to know things so that we can live the lives that we want to live, so that we can live the best lives that we can live. And so this human journey has been spent trying to obtain this wisdom. The early Greeks, they sought this by sitting around and asking good questions. And some men, they seemed to have good answers. And so people would follow them, thinking them to be wise. And it seems that that's kind of how we approach wisdom today still. We think that if we can just think harder for longer periods of time, then boom, we get some wisdom. Or we think that we can read enough books or listen to enough podcasts. We'll gain wisdom from that. And there is good in those things. There is good in reading. There is good in trying to gain knowledge. But are we gaining wisdom in those things? Are we gaining God's wisdom 
in those things. All of this to say, we, we humans, we, we love wisdom. But do we satisfy ourselves with foolishness sometimes? In our passage this morning, Paul makes it very clear that there is true wisdom that we can have. And this true wisdom is, is foolishness to the world, as he says in chapter 1, but it is, it is the very wisdom of God. It is a wisdom that is not a product of human intelligence. Rather, it is a wisdom that has to be revealed, has to be given. God's wisdom is not something which is discovered. It is given by God himself to the people of God. And that brings us to the main point for this morning. The main point. Because God has given us his own spirit, we have the wisdom of God. Because God has given us his very own spirit, we have the wisdom of God. And we'll consider this in three parts. The first is a wisdom not of this world in verses 6 through 9. Second is a, a wisdom found in the Spirit in verses 10 through 13. And third, wisdom characterizes the spiritual person in verses 14 through 16. So first, a wisdom not of this world. Paul begins by saying in verse 6, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom. Now, leading up to this point in 1 Corinthians, Paul has had a lot of negative things to say about wisdom. In chapter 1, verse 20, Paul says, Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? In chapter 1, verse 27, he says, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And then right before our passage in chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, Paul says, And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And so when we come to this passage in verse 6, What's happening is Paul is making some clarifications. Paul is clarifying that he is not attacking wisdom itself. Rather, what he is attacking is a false wisdom. This false wisdom is the wisdom of the world. It is the wisdom of the world that Paul wants no part of. He shows that in verses 1 through 5. He shows that his ministry is not built on some some man-made wisdom, but instead his ministry is built upon the power of God that is given through the Spirit of God. And so here in the beginning of verse 6, Paul is saying, now that I have shown you the wisdom that you should not want, let me show you the wisdom that you should want, the wisdom that you actually already have in Christ. And this wisdom that Paul is teaching about is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, as verse 6 says. Throughout the New Testament, we see this, this tension between two ages, 
There is the present age, and there is the new age. This present age is characterized by, by sin, by evil, by death. And then there is this, this coming age, this age when Jesus will establish his kingdom forever. And, and this kingdom is, is, of course, already here in the present age, but, but if you look around, sin and death still remain. And so there is this, this already not yet kind of tension that we have in our lives as believers. We are already in the kingdom of God, but we are anticipating a better kingdom that will come, that will be established forever. And this present age will pass away. And so Paul is telling his readers that there is indeed wisdom to be obtained. However, this wisdom is not like the wisdom of the world we live in. You see, worldly wisdom will pass away with the world that it is from. Just as this age and these rulers of this age will pass away, so too will their so-called wisdom. And that is good, that is good news. There will come a day when the wisdom of this world will be no more, and the only wisdom, the true wisdom, will remain, the wisdom of God. But what is even greater news is that we already have this wisdom. The wisdom of God is imparted to the people of God now. Look at verse 7. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. The wisdom of God is secret and hidden. What do you, what do you mean by this, Paul? Is there some sort of deeper Christian knowledge that we have yet to be given? Is there this, this elite group of Christians out there that we have to seek out because they have some deeper hidden knowledge that we just don't know about. No, that is not what Paul is communicating at all. Rather, he is, he is communicating that this wisdom of God is secret, it is hidden from the world, but it is given to us. It is given to those who are in Christ. If you look at chapter 1, verse 30, Paul says, and because of him, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Christ Jesus is the wisdom of God. And we have Christ. If you are in Christ, you have Christ. Therefore, what must we also have? Wisdom. We have the wisdom of God. And so when Paul says that this wisdom is secret and hidden, he is communicating that God's wisdom is hidden from the world. The world cannot recognize the wisdom of God, for it is found in Christ. And what does Paul say in chapter 1? He says, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. As believers, we have been given the wisdom of God to recognize Christ for who He is. He is the wisdom of God. 
And then Paul goes on. He says, God decreed before the ages. What did, what did God decree? He decreed that this is his wisdom. Christ crucified. Notice that Paul says that this wisdom of God that he imparts has been decreed by God before the ages for our glory. What does that mean for us? Well, first and foremost, it leaves us no room to boast in ourselves. Unlike the wisdom of this world that that people can boast in, we do no such thing. We don't boast in our own efforts to have this wisdom. We don't flaunt ourselves as if we somehow happened upon this wisdom. No, the reality is that this secret and hidden wisdom from God has simply been given to us. God in His grace revealed this wisdom to us that we might be stirred to faith in Christ. The glory that that we have is a glory that is really not ours. It is a glory that has been bestowed upon us. It has been given to us, and we are humbled before that. We are humbled before God in this glory because God has freely given it to us in Christ. If there is boasting to be done, it is only in the Lord. And second, we recognize that the the only way people have the wisdom of God is if God gives them such wisdom. Notice what Paul says in verse 8. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. When Paul says the rulers of this age, the rulers of this age act as like a stand-in for the rest of the world. And the world makes it very clear that it does not understand the wisdom of God. The world has shown this by crucifying the Lord Jesus. Remember, the wisdom of God is manifested, it is made known in the person and work of Jesus. And so if the world had recognized Jesus for who he is, for who he was, they would not have crucified him. And this wisdom eludes non-believers today just as it eluded those who crucified Jesus. For the death and resurrection of Jesus confirms that he is indeed the wisdom of God. But this is seen by folly by the world around us. And so what, what hope is there? What hope do we have when we are sharing the gospel with others who are around us? Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in God. Our hope is in the Spirit of God. Our hope is that God would reveal to them, just as He revealed to us, the secret and hidden wisdom of His. And so Paul quotes from Isaiah 64, verse 4. It says, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, not even the heart of man could imagine what the wisdom of God would be, which is himself coming down to his own creation in the person of Jesus Christ to die for the sins of those who would believe in him. This is a wisdom not of this world. This is, not, this is a wisdom that, 
a, a human could not think up. This is a wisdom that lies with God and God alone. This is a wisdom not of this world, but it is a wisdom from God for the people of God. But the question still remains, how does God give us this wisdom? So we we have this wisdom, but how does God give it to us? That leads to our second point, wisdom found in the Spirit. Read again verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. We've talked already about this wisdom being a revealed wisdom, not a wisdom that we toil for. But what is the means? What is the means that God reveals this wisdom to us? And the answer is it's through his spirit. The wisdom of God, which is the Son of God crucified, is revealed by the Spirit of God. You see, the, the Corinthians, they had a problem. And this passage was written in response to their problem. If you know the Corinthians, they had, they had a lot of problems. But here's just one problem. It's found in chapter 1, verse 12, which reads, What I mean is that each of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. So what is, what is the problem? The problem is that the Corinthians seem to think that certain leaders had more wisdom than other leaders. They thought that certain leaders had more insight than other leaders and that they, in turn, had this superior wisdom. And so these divisions were formed based on who thought who was the wisest. You can kind of imagine how a conversation might have gone gone back in Corinth. You know, one person comes in and, did you read the last letter that Paul wrote? Man, it was so good. It was so wise. No other pastor compares to my guy, Paul. I'm not reading anybody else because Paul is clearly the wisest. Well, I mean, Paul's okay. Paul's all right. But have you heard how eloquent Apollos is? Have you heard how smart he is? Clearly, Apollos is the wisest. He's the guy that we should be listening to, the guy that we should be following. And then somebody comes in, said, have you heard Peter? Peter is so down to earth. Peter is on my level. He gets me. I feel like he gets me when he preaches to me. He's the guy that we should be following. And so when Paul says, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, He is communicating that the Spirit has revealed the wisdom of God, the truth of the gospel, to all of the apostles. Not just one apostle. No, they all have the same Spirit of God within them. The same Spirit has confirmed the gospel within them. And he's showing them there is no need for these divisions. There is no need for all of this strife, for all of this jealousy, because each of us have the same spirit. We all have the same wisdom from God. Why has the Spirit done this? So that they, the apostles, might have authority to teach these things. You jump down to verse 13, and we read, 
And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Paul is simply affirming what Jesus promised has come to happen. Because back in, back in John 14, 26, Jesus says about the Holy Spirit, he says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. The idea here is that the apostles, all of them, have, have all received the Holy Spirit. They all have been revealed to the truth of the gospel. And that truth has been confirmed for them by the sealing of the Holy Spirit. And so in turn, they have been commissioned to teach these deep things of God. They have been commissioned to preach such wisdom because it is truly the wisdom of God. And what does that mean for us? Why do I say this? It means that we, what we have in the New Testament is truth. What is revealed to us about the person and work of Jesus Christ is truth. If we want, if we desire the wisdom of God, wisdom that is truly effective, it is found in the Word of God revealed by the Spirit of God. And this Spirit is able to reveal such things. What does Paul say? For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Another way to translate the depths of God is to say the deep things of God. And that, and that again, this, this emphasizes or re-emphasizes how the wisdom of God is inaccessible to humans in their natural state. Rather, how does it become accessible? It becomes accessible through the Spirit. Through the Spirit who indwells us, as we will see in verse 12. But our focus is still on verses 10 through 11. The Spirit searches everything, and being the Spirit of God is able to search the depths of God himself. And Paul, he explains this through um, a human illustration in verse 11. Um, he asks the rhetorical question in verse 11. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in, which is in him? And the answer to that is nobody. How can we know one another's thoughts? How can you know another person's thoughts? That person has to come to you and they have to communicate those thoughts to you. You can't simply just get into their mind and know their thoughts. Now, that might be the case for some of you husbands and wives. Um, but for me, that is not the case. There has to be communication. There has to be talking. In order to know another person's thoughts, a person has to tell you their thoughts. But the person who does know your thoughts is your spirit. The person who knows my own thoughts, who knows everything about me, is my own spirit. And in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God. No person can know the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. 
That's why Paul says, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And if you remember when, when Peter, Peter confessed Jesus to be the Messiah, what was Jesus' response to that? He tells Peter, this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. To know the deep things of God, to know the wisdom of God, requires God to reveal these things to us. And by his grace, he does so by means of his spirit. And so Paul continues on. He says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given by God. When Paul says we in this passage, who is he talking about? Here he is referring to all believers. All believers have received the Spirit who is from God. For what purpose? That we might understand the deep things of God. And in this passage, I want us to note the, the, the stark contrast that this verse presents. There are only two options. We can have the Spirit of the world... We can operate according to the wisdom of the world, following the ways of this world, or we have the Spirit of God. And our lives are dictated by the wisdom of God. And what is the wisdom of God? The wisdom of God, remember, is Christ Jesus. If we are in the Spirit, if we are wise, we are living our lives according to Christ Jesus in light of the cross. So we either think that the cross is folly, that it is foolishness, or the cross is wisdom, and our lives are centered around that wisdom. But we, we who are in Christ, we have received the Spirit of God. And so we can echo Paul's words that Christ Jesus has become to us the wisdom from God, that he is our righteousness, that he is our sanctification, that he is our redemption. We can boast with Paul, not in ourselves, but we boast in the Lord. And so the Spirit enables us to understand the wisdom of God. The Spirit gives us understanding. The Spirit of God also enables the wisdom of God to be taught. These words written by Paul do not derive from his own human wisdom. No, what he is teaching, he teaches by the Spirit. And what jumps off the page when we read this verse is the humility of Paul concerning his own ministry. Look at what he says. He says, We impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Paul recognizes that apart from the Spirit within him, enabling him to communicate the deep things of God, he would not be able to do so. Apart from God's Spirit, Paul and his readers would simply just be like the rest of the world. But the reality is that the Spirit is what sets apart Christian teaching and preaching. The reality is that teaching and preaching does not depend on the personality of man. 
It does not depend on how eloquent man is. It does not depend on how likable man is. Rather, preaching and teaching find their dependence upon the Spirit of God. Why? Because spiritual truths are being interpreted to spiritual people. For Paul and the rest of the apostles, they depended upon the same spirit that we depend upon. For Paul and the apostles, they were entrusted with spiritual truths to teach the people of God. For Paul and the apostles, they depended upon that same spirit to dwell in their audience. And today, when we gather to hear the word of God preached, to hear it taught, we depend not upon man, we depend not upon human wisdom, but we depend upon the spirit in the men that teach. And we depend upon the spirit within our own selves to give us understanding. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves is, am I depending upon the spirit of God or am I depending upon the wisdom of man? If we want to be a people that are characterized by wisdom, then we must be spiritual people depending upon the Spirit Himself. And this leads to our final point wisdom characterizes the spiritual person. In verses 14 through 16, Paul makes another stark contrast, this time between the natural person and the spiritual person. By natural person, Paul is referring to to non-believers, to those who are in the flesh. And by spiritual person, he is referring to believers, to those who have the Spirit. In light of all that Paul has said up to this point, what do these different types of people do? Well, if you see, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So because the natural person does not have the Spirit of God, how can he understand the deep things of God? And Paul's answer is blunt. He can't. In order to understand the deep things of God or spiritual things, a person must be spiritual. A person must have the Spirit. Apart from God's Spirit working and within the spiritual things of God's the spiritual things of God simply seem like folly. The natural person may claim to have wisdom, but it is a worldly wisdom. A wisdom that cannot understand the things of God. And then on the other hand, you have the spiritual person. Paul says. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. That's kind of hard to understand. The CSB, the the Christian Standard Bible, it words this a bit differently and interprets the meaning, I think, a little bit more clearly. It reads, But the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit, because it is foolishness to him. He is not able to understand it since it is evaluated spiritually. And in verse 15, the spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything, and yet he himself cannot 
be evaluated by anyone. And so when Paul says that the spiritual person um, judges all things, he is not communicating that being in Christ, that, that having the Spirit automatically gives us all understanding of all things. That is not what Paul is communicating. Rather, what Paul is communicating is that we have the means to be able to evaluate all things. <clears throat> the natural person, on one hand, cannot evaluate or discern spiritual things. But the spiritual person has the ability. He can do so. And he can do so because he has the Spirit of God dwelling in him or her. The second part of verse 15 also requires some, some kind of fleshing out. When Paul says the spiritual person is himself to be judged by no one, he is not saying that believers are above criticism. Here the NIV actually helps us. It says that the believer is not subject to merely human judgments. Now here, uh, there's a quote from New Testament theologian and commentator Tom Schreiner. He says, Since unbelievers do not understand the things of the Spirit, they cannot comprehend the fundamental reality present in the lives of believers. The ultimate commitment which animates believers is a mystery to unbelievers, since the latter lack the Holy Spirit. We, we cannot miss this. The natural person cannot assess what is the wisdom of God. And so they cannot understand why believers live the way that they live. They cannot understand why these people do not live like the rest of the world with the wisdom of the world. But believers, we have the means to assess all things. Because we have the spirit of him who created all things dwelling in us. And Paul quotes from Isaiah 40, 13, asking, For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Who? Who has understood the mind of the Lord? Better yet, who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to teach God something? Who is able to go into the presence of God and say, God, this is how you should be God? The answer is absolutely no one. But guess what Paul says? He says, but we have the mind of Christ. You see, apart from Christ, the wisdom of God is, is hidden and secret. But praise God that Christ Jesus has come. He has come and He has revealed the wisdom of God, which is salvation through a crucified Messiah. What seems like folly to the world is actually the wisdom of God. And we have been given this wisdom, for we have received the mind of Christ. We cannot simply will ourselves into such wisdom. The mind of Christ must be given by God himself 
through his spirit, and he has given it to his people. And so let me close by just asking two two questions. Two questions. First, to you who may be an unbeliever, not a Christian, there is true wisdom to be found. But it's not going to be found in this world. It will not be found by your own efforts, no matter how hard you might try. True wisdom is found at the foot of the cross. The cross may seem like foolishness, but as Paul has made abundantly clear, it is the wisdom of God and is given by God through his spirit. And so would you ask God for his spirit to help you understand the folly of the cross? Would you ask God to to give you his spirit so that you can understand the folly of Christ? And to the Christian, we have the spirit of God dwelling in us. Praise God. By his spirit, God has given understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we have not yet reached full maturity. You see, maturity or maturing in our faith is taking the wisdom that we have been given and applying it to our life. It's taking the the gospel that we have been entrusted with and centering our life around that gospel. So though the Spirit of God dwells in us, there are still temptations to act in a fleshly way, to behave in a human way, to approach wisdom in a human way, to approach wisdom as the philosophers of the first century did. But we have the Spirit of God. And it is His Spirit that we press into, seeking to grow in our wisdom, seeking to grow in our maturity in Christ. And so the question that we must ask is, is are we maturing? Are we growing? Are we taking the wisdom that we have in Christ? Are we applying it to our lives? Are we sharing it with the world around us? Are we centering our lives around the wisdom of God? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you are so good to us that you would not leave us wandering. You would not leave us asking questions that are impossible to answer, but Lord, we can turn to your word. We can turn to your word and we can find wisdom. And Lord, we can trust your spirit to apply such wisdom to our lives, that he would give us understanding as we read the deep things of God in your word. And so, Lord, we come before you asking that you would help us to be a spiritual people, that you would help us to be mindful of your spirit, that you would help us to be walking with your spirit. Lord, as we learn, as we are taught, Lord, we cannot do anything apart from your spirit. So, Lord, take your word and apply it to our lives today. For it is in Jesus' name.